Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. You know, there were some stories that came out recently about a woman that came forward yeah. saying that she had an affair with Chris. A baby. A baby with yes. Chris. Yeah, yeah, more than an affair. Yeah. A baby. <laughs> what was your reaction to that? I felt like, um, you know, her story was very believable. Mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, it's unfortunate. But, like, I tried to tell Candace about her husband mm-hmm. last season. Mm-hmm. Or maybe two seasons ago. I can't remember when that was. Last season. Yeah, last season. And um, she didn't want to listen. Mm-hmm. So maybe she should have listened. Yeah. Have you reached out to her during this time oh, at all? No. I know. You're like, you're, I'm oh, the last no. person she probably wants to, oh, <laughs> to no. hear from. And it's actually not in my business, and I really don't even care. Yeah. It's unfortunate. She she since has blamed Robin and I for this girl coming out. Oh, okay. Yes. Does this come out, out at all this season? No, because you cameras stopped filming no. at this point, right? <laughs> business but mine with me Kara Berry Cyber Monday if that means anything to you it shouldn't mean anything to most of these uh, stores because y'all are giving us like 20 percent 15 percent bitch that's basically just tax I don't know y'all gotta step your pussies up next season okay this is wild this is so wild and I hope y'all all saw that TikTok of that girl going around Target you know how they have those little signs that they stick the little paper in and they tell you like what's on sale or what the price is. And she went around to all those little places, little stations and took those signs out and said, black Friday deal. Here's TV for four forty nine ninety nine, $50 off. And God bless the employee who was lazy, who just kept the sale signs from the previous week, right behind the black Friday ones, proving that all of them were the exact same price as they were pre-Black Friday. So, mm, interesting. Real interesting. Anyway, I really don't have too much to talk about this week. In fact, I only have one pop culture thing to talk about because, you know, it gets a little slow around the holidays. you think it wouldn't. You would think that people would, like, toss their big news out so, like, people don't pay attention to it. But, yeah, this did not really happen in this case. Um, but one thing we do need to talk about is how the LaRobins are down bad. Once again, oh for a thousand. <laughs> so if y'all don't know, Robin and Giselle were gleefully spreading this rumor that had started on the internet about Chris Bassett cheating on Candace and also having a baby on her. And they were insistent that they believe the rumors are true. This is where the opening credit's coming from. If y'all wanted to know, this is an interview that Robin, excuse me, that Giselle did at BravoCon, so not even that long ago, where she says, I feel like this stuff is true, the rumors are true. This woman went on 
uh, did an interview with none other than Tasha Kay. And I've explained her a little bit, but I will explain to you again. Just think like a liar. Just think about somebody who lies all the time and who is unabashed in their lying to the point of getting sued by multiple people, Cardi B. Um, she's also the one who spread the rumor about, uh, 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 she was also the platform for that guy who said, oh, I saw Dwayne Martin and Will Smith hunching each other one time. That's what people go to Tasha K to lie. Okay. So this lady said, her, Ayanna Williams said, uh, I'm the one who Chris was cheating with yada 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 so she went on instagram like a couple days ago and said i lied i never even met chris bassett i never talked to him i made the whole thing up i'm sorry that my actions hurt people whack knickknack paddywhack the wild thing is that robin and giselle have been very like oh we think this is true and you would think that they would maybe consider not keeping the block so hot. So my girl of the week is going to the two green-eyed bandits bandits for taking a rumor from damn Tasha K and spreading it as if it's fact and acting like, yeah, I completely believe that to be possible and plausible. And egg on your face. Egg on your face now. Y'all look real stupid. Real stupid. The lady, I've never even met this man, much less had a kid with him. Goofy. And like, why would y'all even put yourselves in a position where the, like, y'all don't care, uh, 100% don't care about the block being hot with Juan and the notebook for Pastor Holy Whore and all of his misdeeds and all the chillins that he sired in his relationship with Giselle. And you're acting like, oh, well, I would know. Yeah, okay. Okay, how's that look? How's that looking now? Real good? So we're kind of getting a hell yeah is uh, for Candace. Because, girl, come on. Come on. Anyway, with that, <laughs> that's literally all I have to talk about. <laughs> because I decided to do a little catch up. We're going to be talking about Welcome to Plathville. A pretty good episode of Kardashians. And um, the latest episode of Real Housewives of Salt Lake city so yeah with that let's get on with the show i hope you guys had a great week good weekend love you let's move on i married you four years ago you were one way now you've changed so much that i can't relate to you and i am extremely frustrated about that and that frustration has come out in many ways i understand you know when when we got married i was very young and naive and didn't know what i thought about a lot of things and i didn't know who i wanted to be and in almost five years of marriage, I've grown a lot. I just don't understand how you have gone from who you were to who you are. I don't think there's quite as much change as you think. I've always been curious. Mm -hmm. I've always asked questions. I've always thought outside the box since the time you started dating me. How did you think that I would be curious about the world and be the exact same person I was when I was 18? All right, let's start with Plathville. And actually pretty interesting episode the drama the tension i was living for it so let's talk about it so kim drops off the girls at the family house the house that they live in with barry right she's going through the bedrooms the girls are not cleaning and she's clearly not happy about that or just happy in general 
But she says, of course I miss this house. It's a beautiful home. I miss a big kitchen, but it's better to live in a small place with people who like me than a big, beautiful place with somebody who doesn't treat me right. And then she starts rummaging around the kitchen. We can see Barry, like, they have the dining room that's right off the kitchen. He's playing solitaire. She's just kind of rooting around the cabinets for whatever. And she says it's awkward being here specifically right now because she and Barry are not having a good moment. So Barry tells us in a confessional that the divorce is, like, almost done. It's just a matter of parsing out the money. What each of them thinks is fair. And how, basically, what Kim thinks is on a completely different continuum than what he thinks is fair. So then Kim starts to talk about, to the girls, Amber, she's like 13, 14. She's about to get her first cell phone. And so she starts being passive aggressive with the little girls like, oh, maybe if you guys could uh, clean your room, Amber could send you a picture, send me a picture on it on our new cell phone. And I'll be so happy for you guys. So then she says, in a confessional that, you know, her days with the girls are wonderful and, you know, Barry is kind of taking care of them now. It's sort of forced him to step up as a parent, but it's kind of frustrating to her that she's been raising the kids for like 25 years and then he steps in just like a little bit and he gets all the credit because, you know, it's like a dad taking just a little bit of interest in the children, whereas she did that faithfully for 25 years and nothing, no recognition whatsoever. So then there's this very awkward moment where the camera's following her as she's leaving, but she's like, the door is right next. It's right between the dining room and the kitchen. So she kind of like looks in the kitchen, but Barry's there talking to some of the girls. So rather than say goodbye because Barry is there, she just dips. She just walks out the door, but not far. She literally just gets to the porch and says to us that... Usually she and Barry are pretty good about communicating with regard to the kids, but uh, they happen to catch her on a particularly bad day and she really doesn't want to be here right now. Can't even speak to him. She's like 20 feet outside the house. She calls Barry because she doesn't even want to talk to him face to face at this point. So they start talking about Amber's phone and the rules and whatever. And Kim just says that they need to talk about like the rules as far as social media and stuff like that. Barry explains that usually the kids get a phone at 16. We know when they're got a car and they're out there in the world, but because of the divorce, like Amber needs one a little bit earlier. So they decide, okay, we're going to talk to her about the dangers of social media not getting like too caught up in the phone. And one thing I notice, I like to do this on like any reality show is I like to see like if they've got their cell phones out and it's on speaker, what what they list the contact as because usually it's spelled wrong especially on housewives it's like usually they get the last name wrong and it's like very just a fun little easter egg for me but i think not to like start a rumor but i think barry may have changed kim's name on his phone to something else because something about the spacing of it looked like it was just like you know because usually like if you just put one name it'll be centered right in the contact right but his was kind of off towards the left as though he writ wrote something else but you couldn't see it because it was blurred out so i would have started a rumor that he put kim bitch on there <laughs> barry says in a confessional that you know a divorce is kind of like a death but everybody's still alive and then you're t attached to each other through the children and it's really challenging 
then he says that like through the divorce there are things that he and Kim don't agree on as far as like how Kim is conducting her affairs but he's in quiet mode because it's basically like talking to a brick wall anyway so he's just not even gonna bother with her and this is kind of like where I have to like not be on Kim's side because it'll never be that but like sir the whole reason why she left her ass was because she was like never going to be emotionally fulfilled by you and so I, I think it's just the word like I don't condone how she's conducting her affairs like well it doesn't matter sir because y'all aren't married you know <laughs> so then we go over to Minnesota Micah and Ethan are in town they're clearly drunk and I'm really hoping somebody in production drove them home because these kids seem like lightweights and they seem like even where they're introducing the fact that they're at this bar they're clearly wasted <laughs> like Ethan just walks away at some point like clearly they're drunk right but they're at this bar and Ethan says that you know he and Micah have been talking about a lot even though they've disagreed on stuff they still have that like brotherly bond that's hard to break so they cheers to being friends in the midst of a feud and then Micah just like ugh, just word vomits he tells Ethan that Olivia called him back and when he said oh you know let's just hang out as a group because she asked to have a talk with him one-on-one -on -one, she responds I'm not really trying to like fake the funk with you you know you don't want to have to have a deep conversation with me it's fine so he tells Ethan I'm not gonna talk to her she doesn't want to have like shots and a beer with me that's fine I'm just gonna stay with our aunt and uncle they're gonna take me to the airport tomorrow no problem so Micah says that he came on this trip to see Ethan and it would have been fine to see Olivia because she is Ethan's wife but she's kind of selfish and just focuses on her feelings and how she thinks like more than anybody else and she takes things personally and he's like I just don't really want to be friends with that I don't think it's going to work so Ethan says in a confessional that neither Micah nor Olivia will budge like Olivia wants to go straight to hashing things out but then Micah doesn't want to do that like it is what it is which is not how he treats Olivia like with the family it's just like well you know I get it but with Olivia there's like no grace whatsoever so Micah says I know that you love and appreciate Olivia and that's like your first love and I admire that about you but like please just don't go with everything that she wants to do so Ethan says in a confessional that he has been speaking up a lot more, especially because going along to get along like he has been doing really hasn't been helping him. And I think this is where he is like almost right, but not quite. Like he has been going along to get along in some cases, but in a lot of cases he's just, uh, you know, not said things and won't communicate until the very last second and then be like what I you know I don't know I don't get it and it, like he definitely is acting like he is a full victim just like being caught completely in the middle where he has probably contributed more to the dysfunction and the bit poor communication and all of this than anybody else and then Micah tells Ethan that you know, I used to look at our, at our parents as an example of, like, who I wanted to be in the future. And then I kind of looked at you and Olivia as an example until I realized that that's actually not what I want to do. And so Ethan says in a confessional, even if I didn't like somebody Micah was married to, I wouldn't tell him 
that I didn't respect their marriage. You know, that's a real tough thing to hear, but I'm just going to keep my mouth shut because I don't want to fight right now. Then he says that the biggest piece of advice that he would give his younger siblings about choosing a spouse would just be to make sure that you guys are both extremely clear about where your life is going, your values, etc. because that's where he's at with Olivia. So then the next day we see Olivia, she's like in the kitchen tending to her plants. We, you know, just like our classic, clearly Olivia and Ethan aren't speaking to each other. And she's like trying to busy herself. And he walks in and he's like, mm-hmm. and, you know, his face is all red because he's embarrassed because he did something again. And so she's like doing her little, uh, you know, succulent watering, right? And so Ethan says in a confessional that he's no longer going to be putting his relationship with his family on hold to, this is what he says, to quote unquote, save his marriage, because he doesn't think that that's sustainable. So he tells Olivia about how his trip went well. And like, she's like, Oh, do you know that I reached out to Micah? And when he says yes, she goes, that's interesting, because I'm honestly a little hurt that you didn't try to like, facilitate us having a conversation at all. You just went to a bar with him. And drink instead, and it kind of left me a little bit confused. So Ethan asked her, well, why did you want to meet one-on-one anyway? And she's like, well, why not? Mike and I were friends for like six years. And then Olivia says in a confessional that with Ethan, like they're sitting side by side, that she wanted to meet up with Micah one by one, one-on-one. Because while she doesn't think it's necessarily intentional, when she meets up with more than one class, it's like kind of a gang-up situation. And she knows that Micah probably wants to, like, vent his frustrations, but she wanted to as well. And she wanted to do it on equal footing. So Ethan says, honestly, I copped out when it came to the conflict. You know, when he said he didn't, when he said he didn't want to meet with you one-on-one, like, I just kind of was like, oh, whatever. So Olivia's like, he's probably scared. And Ethan says, well, I didn't realize how much my family doesn't like you. (laughs) To which Olivia says, I've been trying to tell you that. I told you that last summer. And he's like, yeah, but I know. But like, I just didn't realize it until they said it. And it was like, okay, this is like classic situation. Olivia tells you something. You don't want to believe it. And then it actually happens. You're like, oh shit. Huh. That's wild. (laughs) How is it possible that you didn't realize how much they hated you when they issued that whole statement about how she's a liar and they haven't been talking to her? It just now occurred to you? Wake up, sir wake up (laughs) oh my gosh so then he's like oh you then he tells olivia what micah said about how he respects him he respects ethan but he doesn't respect olivia or their marriage right (laughs) olivia says in a confessional uh that's pretty wild but like He would sit there with somebody who said that he does not respect our marriage. He can hang out with that person and be fine with them. That's his choice. Who he wants to listen to and who he chooses to be with, who he's close with, all of that. It might affect our relationship at the end of the day, but honestly, I like don't really feel so invested in that part of it anymore. So Olivia says, you know, I, I told you a few weeks before you left for your trip, I asked for a conversation about where things were with us. And you said you didn't care to dig deep, but I think we might need to. And Ethan's like, yeah, I I think we do too. He says that he thinks that like he needs to work out his life and his priorities and he needs to get everything straight. And so Ethan says, we were both really happy 
when we moved to Minnesota and we were in a good place, but in a matter of months that completely disappeared. And Olivia's like, yeah, we were really connected and like together about not getting into the drama with your family. But once that part of it wore off, we were kind of just like, who are you? And then we had a breakdown as to what they were looking for in the future. So Ethan says, well, you were one way when I married you four years ago and now you're another way. And I'm just like really frustrated. And that frustration has come out in many ways. And Olivia's like, yeah, I understand. But I was like young and naive and I didn't know who I wanted to be, but I've grown a lot in that point. And Ethan's like, well, I don't understand how you've gotten from like point A to point B. And Olivia's like, I actually don't think there's like as much change with me as you think. I've always been curious. I've always thought outside the box. How did you think it was possible that I was that curious of a person about the world and would continue to be the same person I was when I was 18? So Olivia's like, well, or Ethan rather, he's like, well, some people change. Some people are like that. Some people change. I just didn't think that you would change so drastically. Like what change? Why are you this way? And Olivia says, what have you changed? You've changed also because when we were dating, you respected me. And I loved you for that because my dad respected me. But you've also changed. So we put a time on that. On that and then we head over to California. Barry is so excited. He is so excited. He tells us at a confessional that when Mariah went on that trip to San Francisco like a few years ago... With Olivia, he was really scared of the liberal attitudes <laughs> and, like, homeless people. So now he thinks it's fun and exciting, and he's so ready to be there. Micah rented this place in Malibu to show them whatever side of L.A. that he lives on, which is not as nice, apparently. He even gets him and Barry matching chains. Matching drip, as Barry calls it, which Barry says is dope. This drip is dope, Micah. <laughs> Uh, just a little reprieve before we go to back to Minnesota, right? So in that apartment, Olivia tells Ethan, like I said, like you've changed too. Maybe we need to just acknowledge that. And how she talked about one time when they were like in the early stages of dating, they got into an argument, Ethan drove 17 hours to her to have a one hour conversation and drove back just to prove I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to leave you like I'm committed to you for life. And she thought that was so romantic at the time. But now that they're married, he doesn't put any effort in. So she tells him, if you want to be with somebody who isn't so curious, then... Yeah. <laughs> and Ethan kind of cuts her off. He's like, well, you're making it seem like I'm so rigid. But there's only a few things that I've been asking of you about having kids in the future where I have to draw the line. And I feel like you don't have any boundaries. And she's like, I actually have very strong boundaries. You just don't like them. So then we finally say, like, we've been hinting it. It's been very obvious what the situation is. But Ethan finally says that their biggest disagreements have to do with faith and politics. Clearly, this man is right, 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 right. And she is left of him, left of him. So Ethan says, I want to raise kids that are patriotic and who love their country. And Olivia doesn't intend to instill a love of country or God in them. And I'm not going to compromise on those issues. It's like, well, what do you, what, what goes into patriotism for you? Like, what if, are, are you guys waking up and saying that the, you know, are you, uh, what is it? I have not done the flag. The flag? Pledge of Allegiance. 
I, I guess I wouldn't pass for Ethan either. Uh, my patriotism. You're waking up and saying the Pledge of Allegiance every day. Like, what What goes into this? Are we going to, like, old Civil War places and reenacting? Like, what, what does that mean? What does that really mean to Ethan? I would love for him to break down. Like, what goes into being a particularly patriotic person? In your words. So Ethan asks Olivia if there's any way they can get back on the same page. And Olivia's like, uh, no, I don't know how that would be possible because you've already made it very clear that you don't want to have a family with me. And he's like, no, 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 I do. I want a family with you more than anybody else. (laughs) And Olivia just goes, Ethan, you need to be honest with yourself. (laughs) And she is exactly right. Like, you you don't want this. You don't even like her. This is not going to work. Y'all are on opposite ends of the spectrum politically. Clearly, she is, like, pro. She's an LGBT ally, I'm assuming. And, you know, just, like, she's out here. She's out here. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And if we want to just, like, take the politics out of it, take the whatever out of it, I still think that Ethan is in the wrong here just in the sense of him being like i'm 24 (laughs) and i'm never gonna change (laughs) like that's wild that is a wild thing to hang your hat on so olivia tells ethan i do think that you love me and i do think in an ideal ideal world you would want a family with me but when it comes down to it you've told me that if we had kids you wouldn't want me to talk to them about things that i believe Which is impossible because you seem to want her to be the primary caretaker. So how's that going to work? So Olivia then says that he told her that he was going to make a list of all the hills that he was planning to die on with regard to their relationship. And if she didn't say yes to them, it just wasn't going to work out. And she can no longer be his wife or have children with him. And Ethan's response is, well, it was only three things. Okay, but if, like, the three things are damn near impossible, it might as well just be a list of a bunch of arbitrary things, right? So Olivia's like, so you get to decide how our kids get to be raised, and all I get to do is just say yes to you. So then Ethan says, well, I didn't really mean those things I said. I probably shouldn't have said them to you the way that I did, but Olivia's like, well, but you said them, and they're coming from a place of truth, and You also said that you didn't think that you would date me if you knew the issues between us and your family would happen. So, Olivia finally tells him, I think if I'm being honest, I'm like struggling to see the longevity in this relationship. I was already boarded to a family that doesn't accept me now because I'm different from them. And then I have in-laws on the other side that also don't accept me because I'm different from them. I'm not willing to do that to another person. So then she says, I understand this is a lot. So if you need time to digest this, like, I totally respect that. She goes off to bartend and tells Ethan, maybe you should go see a therapist or something. (laughs) And he just goes, damn therapist. (laughs) So then we head back to Malibu. Barry's gone full Los Angeles. He's got his drip. He even brings out some sequin loafers because he's determined to have a good time. And what did he think? I'm just going to get some Little Richard loafers, and that'll really get a gag out of Isaac and, and Micah. That, that'll get him. <laughs> but he said, he, he shows Micah, he's so proud of himself. And Micah's like, oh, 
okay. He's like, I'm going to go out on Santa Monica Boulevard in these shoes. We're going to go dancing. And I just feel like he, he must have listened to that um that Cheryl Crow song. But like, all I want to do in the sun comes up of a Santa Monica Boulevard. I think he's like, been listening to that. That was on his playlist. The, uh, <laughs> that was on his playlist on the airport on the play there. I know it was. He just put it on repeat over and over. He's like, I'm going to be on Santa Monica Boulevard, bitch. In my sparkle shoes. And the girls aren't going to be able to take it. <laughs> so the episode ends with the guys pretending like they don't know if Ethan's going to show up. As he's literally just getting out of the Uber to get to the house. So they're like all excited, whatever. Micah tries to act like Olivia's now this like Ursula type character who's ruling with an iron fist. And she doesn't ever let Ethan do anything. And I didn't think that she would let him go. To just like get him out of her claw and let him go to California. I'm like, okay, I feel like this is a little dramatic. Like, yeah, of course there have been instances where she has told Ethan, I don't want to talk to your family right now, but I don't think it's like, like on some jealous wife shit. So Ethan tells them when he gets there that he missed his flight, and they're like, oh, what happened? I've never missed the flight. He doesn't want to say, but he tells us in a confessional. That he didn't tell Olivia he was leaving to go to L.A. until the last minute. So he felt bad. He was sitting in that airport thinking, maybe I should do the right thing and, like, try to get this relationship back on track. So he calls her. And Olivia's like, you know what? Do whatever you want. It's not going to change anything. So then he just hopped on the next flight. And he says, even though it isn't going to help, maybe it'll clear my head a bit. Because something's got to give because I'm, like, tired of all of it. And it's like, yeah, well, we all are. But it's over. It's over. Oh, man. Let's move to Kardashians. You need to have some, like, loyalty. When mommy talks shit about people, you cannot talk to them. Why would you tell Angie Kendall I hated her outfit? Kim, um was telling me like all night she's like no 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 no, it's great it's great your look is great i love it i love it i love it and then north and penelope were in my room after and i go oh guys like who was your favorite of the night then they were like you were actually our favorite and i was like oh my god stop really and they were like yeah we really loved yours you were our favorite and i was like your mom said she really liked my look too and she goes she was lying she told me she did not like your look all right this kardashian episode was like equal parts juicy and then nothing so we're just gonna squeeze all the juice out and not talk about any fluff okay because <laughs> the juice it's apple and you know, just so you guys know i'm an apple juice bitch like I, I know the breakfast juice the orange juice reigns supreme i get that but myself and i believe also liz bentley are just apple juice girls like there's just nothing about like it like i died for apple juice like i actually have <laughs> I just told the story. It's a, such a like stupid story. Back when I was a like kid, like three, four, five tops, right? Uh, my family went on a trip to California, and we took my one of my sister's best friends at the time, and they tell the story. That, I mean, Lord help us. Thirty four years ago, still getting this story about how I used to call um, apple juice apple juice, and how annoying I was, and how just like whining about wanting apple juice and. You know, some things never change. Some things never change. So, where was I going with this? Oh, this is like a great juice. Uh, we're squeezing the juice out. 
This is why I shouldn't talk about my business and just stick to everybody else's because I always get distracted. So anyway, we're, we're talking. Courtney and Tristan are still talking about like, she's got her notebook out. She's like, why are you cheating? How do you, does it feel after you cheat on my sister? What's wrong with you? Those sorts of things, right? So Courtney is telling Tristan that she saw, you know, I saw a bunch of TikTok videos that said that people had like, the people saying that I have no empathy or like I'm a narcissist. Um, can you relate to any of that? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you, all of my negative feelings about Courtney for the past, I don't know, 18 years have just been like washed away. In this one scene, she just did all the work. I'm like, okay, I see it now, Courtney. I get you. I feel you. We see each other. So she's like, okay, what's, what's the deal? Do you tap into any narcissism or anything like that? He's like, you know, um, I can see why you would feel that way. Cause you know, like if I, it was my sister, I would feel the same way as you. Like he's like total PR down. We got to get Molly McPherson back. This would have been a great conversation. So Courtney asks like, what's your plan? Do you think you're going to get back together with Chloe? And if so, like, how are you going to go about that? Not that I think you even deserve it. So Tristan goes, first of all, I'd love to spend the rest of my life with your sister. Like my plan is to have my family back as a whole unit. Even though I never grew up with that, like I, that's what I want. And I'm like trying to get there but I also know that I've done things to take me out of that position and Courtney's like yeah the actions really don't match up with the words like it's it's hard to believe that person when that happens and so Tristan says well um all I can do is be the best dad I can be I can pay it forward and I can start setting a good example so Courtney tells him that being able to take accountability is the first step toward change but also our kids watch our actions, not our words. And so Tristan's like, yeah, but that's why I told Chloe, like when it's time to have that conversation with True, I'm going to be the one to have that conversation with her because I'm the one who failed, not Chloe. And it's like, yeah, that sounds great. But like, can we make sure, let, make, I'm not, don't even make sure Court, Chloe's in the room. Make sure Courtney's in the room with her notebook so we can get some, some real, you know, like, you know how like they have people on, on set to do like, make sure that, I don't know what it's called, but just like, make sure everything's like con continuous. Like if you're on a set and you're like, okay, well in this scene, you were wearing your hair to the left. And so we always have to make sure it's to the left or we have to make sure that thing, like the liquid in the cups don't change from scene to scene. So it looks continuous, like that sort of thing. I need Courtney there for this conversation between Tristan and Drew, just making sure that we're telling the truth and we're staying on track here. And there's some consistency. Okay. So then Courtney says, I also kind of feel like the guys in our family are really lucky because for whatever reason, it's like making sure everybody's happy and getting along and hey, let's invite Tristan to the Christmas party. Like one big happy family is the priority over setting boundaries and having somebody's back. Not that I haven't done it myself. Like I've contributed to this. But it's just interesting to me that when I think about it, we can take care of the superficial stuff. We can make sure Chloe's out there. She's looking good. She does glam. She's taking good pictures. But really making sure that person feels supported or stood up for and set boundaries isn't really the priority in our family. 
And like in a way it's great for the kids, but and this is when Tristan's really starts to stutter. He's like, Oh yeah, yeah, oh I, I I know what you're talking about. I do, I do. But I firmly believe that if you make the mistake, you need to stand on that and own it. I'm not proud of who I used to be. Am I proud of who I'm becoming? Absolutely. And I need to grow up so I can be there for my kids. But Courtney just like um, imagine Courtney's normal face is bored doesn't want to be here really about to bully you within an inch of your life like imagine that times like four like she is I've never seen Courtney work harder than to try to like keep her face from being like bitch I don't believe any fucking thing you're saying (laughs) she's trying so hard and it's not working but like good good because he needs this and I needed to see somebody in that family actually hold this man accountable She's the only person, Chris, Chris is telling Chloe, Chris and Corey's fat ass and telling Chloe, sorry, that wasn't nice. <laughs> but I don't, I didn't like that. Are telling people, are telling Chloe, oh, are you going to be sad when Tristan leaves the house? Like, you need to be, we're so concerned about you. Your heart's going to be broken when he leaves. He's not turtle walking all over your house anymore. Aren't you, have you thought about that, Chloe? How sad you're going to be? Like, ew. Ew, David. Thank you to Courtney. For actually being the one who's sticking up. So then, Courtney says in a confessional, I'm not here to hold a grudge. Like, I do believe that people can grow, but but it's just interesting to hear. Listen to this. It's interesting for me to hear the work he's doing and the path he's on. Because when your words don't match your actions, it's concerning. Talk is cheap. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You've got to watch Queenie, the new original series on Hulu. Queenie Jenkins is a 20-something-year-old living in London, and she's facing all the firsts. First major heartbreak, first shitty apartment and soul-sucking job, first therapy session to work through all those mommy issues— After a messy breakup, Queenie starts looking for comfort in all the wrong places, and she soon realizes she needs to face the past before she can build for the future. One way I found how to do that is to take it to the group chat. My friends and I use our text sessions to laugh, to cry, to share advice on how to mend a broken heart, and most importantly, say all the shady things you need to under the vault of the group chat any time of day. So will Queenie be able to turn her quarter-life crises into a revolution? Maybe. Will she make some questionable decisions along the way? Definitely. The new series Queenie is now streaming on Hulu. Check it out. 
like expand on that court like what is he doing what are you seeing because you seemed very shocked to find out that he was in therapy so what is he doing not on camera that you're like this is concerning you've been in therapy for two years now and still i'm not seeing the connection what is he doing because this to me felt like currently i feel like wow there's there's a chasm here expand on that courtney let us know i want to know so then she says talk is cheap and in our family everybody can tend to normalize the behaviors of some of the men in our lives and i don't want to show my daughter that's okay I think having forgiveness and grace is great, but also having boundaries is important. So she, like, thank you for your explanations. And Tristan's like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you so much, Courtney, for setting this time aside. You really didn't have to do it. Like, oh, thank you. You could be the sibling who said, you know, fuck me. I don't care if he turns into a priest. I get it. Thank you, Courtney. And hopefully, you know, we could spend more time together so you can see who I am and Hopefully you'll see that my words match the actions. And she goes, we'll see. <laughs> I don't even think they hugged. And I think he knew. He also knew that she was not. And that they're, they're probably not going to be spending too much time together. She'll probably just catch you at the, catch you at the Christmas party. Like she said, <laughs> just keep it pushing. <laughs> Ooh. So in our next scene, Courtney finally announces, Did you, she's pregnant. I don't know if you guys have been seeing the bump this entire season. The producer had the nerve to ask her, so you've been pregnant this whole, filming this whole season? Yes, girl. She waddled in season one. <laughs> scene one. Hello. Don't even do this with me. She, Courtney's sitting in a bed, doing a little photo shoot with Rain. Rain's like, I'm going to teach this kid to do Fortnite and Call of Duty, Black Ops, and whatever the fuck dangerous video game he's talking about. And she's like, well, what if it's a girl? I was like, so, so I'll feel, she'll be the coolest girl in school. And that was nice. But then he said, and then I think you should name the kid first name Bees, middle name Big, last name Nuts. And all Courtney could say is, his last name will be Barker. <laughs> okay. So, then Courtney says she just told the family. She, she says, I haven't really told anybody. Just like, you know, the 45 people in my family, all of my two friends, and, you know, Travis's friends and family and production. But nobody else knows. And also, TikTok has been talking about it. But nobody else knows. We see a little scene of there at, like, Kylie's office or whatever. And she gives all the sisters a, a card with her ultrasound out of it. And she says that they got pregnant naturally. And, like, listen. I just want to make it clear that, like, I know how infertility works. And she's older and all of that. I get it. I know how the science works, but I also know that we were subjected to so much horniness from those two that I just felt like there was no way he couldn't get her pregnant. You know what I mean? Like, I know that that's not how it works scientifically, but I think in their case, we might be a one-off. Like, it, there was just too much horniness between them for them to have not... You know what I mean? <laughs> so anyway, congrats, by the way. Let's go over to New York. It's Met Gala... Our, you know, our annual Met Gala episode of the season, Kim, Penelope, North, and Scott are in town. And she's going to be showing, you know, P and North are going to, like, learn about fashion and get to see the whole process and all that. And then, you know, Scott can watch them when they're, when she's working. So 
North and Kim go to a fitting. She's being worn. She's... <laughs> Dana Roseberry Scaparelli's dressing her. Okay. So Kim tells Daniel, oh, North really liked the look. And she was like, oh my God, wow. And North goes, well, I didn't say, oh, wow. And then she kind of mumbles like, well, it could be a little bit better. And Kim's like, oh, yeah, you want me to wear a bra? She's like, yeah, yeah. So Kim says in a confessional that she warned Daniel that North could be critical. She had no problem sticking it to Carl Lagerfeld a few years ago. That's just her vibe. I've seen a lot of conversation about this on TikTok. And it's actually, like, really pissing me off. Because y'all know that, like, I'm a little bit biased towards Northwest. This is, like, a pro-Northwest podcast. Always will be. Okay? And so I know that I'm coming from a place of, like, that's my baby. Okay? So, and don't talk about her. (laughs) But I did see a lot of conversation about North in this scene. Whether she was appropriate whether this is like just a spoiled little rich kid who's able to say whatever the fuck to adults and what have you. But I think the logic of that argument goes right out the window in the very beginning of the scene when Kim asks North, I'm going to repeat that, she asks North what her notes are on this whole look. And I feel like a lot of people are missing that. Kim started this. She asked her, what are your critiques? What are your notes? And so everybody who's like, she's just a spoiled little brat. Where does she even know what the dollar store is anyway? Because she's so out of pocket. She's going to be a horrible little child, a horrible adult growing up. Like, y'all can miss me with that, okay? And I'm going to walk you through why. So first, Nora says that she thinks that there are, like, too many gaps in the skirt. Because it's just, like, a string strands of pearls forming a skirt. And there, there are, like, some little, like, spaces in between it. She's like, I don't really like that. It kind of looks a little Hawaiian. And cheap. The pearls look cheap. And Kim's like, no, no, no. The pearls are real. Like, she tries to explain her. This is not, like, a 30s flapper kind of look. We're going for, like, pearly girly. Whatever the hell that's supposed to mean in North's nine-year-old mind. But... North is like, well, it looks kind of beachy. And, like, Kim talks about something, whatever. And she's saying it, like, very nice. Like, nicer than I'm delivering right now. She's like, you know, it looks a little beachy. This is, like, giving art school, we're all doing critiques, and this is what's happening, right? So then, Kim's got this, like, diamond choker. Like, real chunky, kind of cathedral-style big. And she says the diamonds ruin it. And, by the way... She's right. And Daniel whispers, this is my worst nightmare come to life. Like, it, but he's like, like, he's he's not loving it. But he's like, kind of like, he's clearly going to laugh about this later, right? So then Kim <laughs> clearly didn't think that maybe North would be this honest. So she goes, you were so positive. That's kind of why I brought you into this conversation, North. And North is like, no, I, I like the pearls. It just kind of looks like, you know, the dollar store. <laughs> So Daniel was like in the corner at this point. He's like, it's like I'm being punked right before the Met. Just getting read for filth by a nine-year-old. <laughs> Something I would love, by the way. <laughs> so then he asked North, well, do you have any of other of your mom's Met looks that you like? And she's like, oh, well, my favorite one was like the one with the water drips. And he's like, oh, you know, that was my favorite too. 
So they talk about the one where she did the all black, you know, like the black on the face, the whole face mask. And she's like, ah, I didn't really like that. Didn't like the couch dress that she technically was wearing also because Kim was pregnant with North in it. So Kim's like, you know, I respect your decision, but like, can you be a little bit easy on me? And North goes, I am. I'm not going to lie. I won't say it at all if you don't want me to, but I'm not going to lie. And so Kim's like, I would never ask you to lie. Deal? Got it, right? So as Kim's getting dressed in this fitting, she tells North like, hey, there's like a way to be honest and not hurt people's feelings. And I want you to learn to say like, you know, I might not love that. And so North goes, you know, I might not like your necklace or your outfit, but I'm just trying to support you because whatever you like, was that good? <laughs> Kim goes, yeah, that's, that's a good start. So in a confessional, Kim says that she's trying to teach North, who like refuses to lie, that there's just a way to ladies soften the blow and not just go like straight in and annihilate people. So then she's like, North goes, oh, but can I have this outfit when you're done? And Kim goes, you're kidding me. After all that, you want the outfit now. You seriously? So I just want to say like, she asked her and y'all can say like, she's in grown folks business, but she was invited into grown folks business. I feel like by her own mama and you know how North is. She drags you up and down that, that haunted cave, the hallway in your house every day. We know this. We've seen this. So you knew about your child and you let her put a mic back on in front of these adults. You came to New York and you asked her and she told you. And so I just don't like, these people acting like it's North's responsibility to, because to me, like, yeah, she didn't say nice things. She didn't like it. You thought she liked it and she changed her mind and she, she hit you with an okie doke, but you know what? You asked her for opinion and you got it. And I'm just like, really, as I get older, the team captain of like, don't ask questions that you don't want the answer to. Also, we didn't need to see any of this. Like, if it, like if it was really that bad, and Daniel like really felt some type of way about it, like we they probably could have just scrapped this if this was like really an issue. I don't think it was, and I also just feel like I, I just didn't love the discourse around. And maybe I'm wrong. Like y'all know I don't have a kid, and maybe I shouldn't. Don't tell me that I shouldn't, because <laughs> I might want to. Okay, but I I could be wrong, but I just feel like the moment your mother asks you for your opinion that, that then you're gonna get it so i don't know and like if we really want to like go there you know as a, as a dark-skinned person myself who's navigated this life and i grew up um with having so many people tell me like oh i was so like in some version of intimidated by you or I thought you'd be a bitch or whatever and you're actually really fucking nice and this happened to me for years over nothing but just having a face and people just assuming that I'm unpleasant you know like I did nothing to these people and I used to take it as a compliment of like oh great you saw the real me, but it's actually not. It's actually really fucked up. They all just like perceive little black girls to be uh, adults 
a lot of the time you don't allow them to have childhoods you don't you like place these demands on them when god forbid some white man uh you know shoots up a school and we want to talk about how he's a young 27 year old man just a boy you know like we really want to go there so Anyway, Chloe decides to um, interview her cousin, Cece. It, I don't feel like y'all really know. Like, she's always there, but I don't feel like they ever really explain who she is. So she's Robert's first cousin on his mom's side. Helen is, Helen Kardashian's Chloe and them's grandmother. And Helen and Cece's mom are sisters. So Kit, Chloe decides to film this, uh, you know, on a couch, you know, Oprah moment, like one-on-one um you know so ask cc about like family memories which is something that i've been thinking about doing for years with my aunt and i need to i need to so you motivated me chloe but you know she's like i want to ask her about the family memories and history like she's like very key to their armenian side so she wants to you know record this and send it to the rest of the kids siblings so first they start talking about helen kardashian and how she was like a bad little beast over there on rodeo drive just like Doors opening for her. Hi, Helen Kay, because nobody could pronounce Kardashian back then. <laughs> Just like, yeah, how the times have changed. And how, like, she, Cece as, like, a young girl would go shopping with her and just be like, so in awe of her and how chic and fashionable she was. And then, I don't know if um, Chloe's expecting this. This is another situation where the family goes left. And we're like, oh, oh, okay. So she talks about how when Chris left, when Chris and Robert broke up, Helen would call Cece to first try to fix things between Chris and Robert. She's like, I can't. And then it just got to the point where Helen put the kibosh on Chris and just did a whole family. Nobody can talk to her. Shut it down. She's axed. But Cece wouldn't do it because she's like, if I do that, I'm never going to be able to see, you know, Chloe and Robert and Kim, Courtney and the other one. And that, like, I'm just not willing to do that. And how she ended up getting iced out of the entire Kardashian family, including Robert. Rob, she says Robert was mad at her, furious with her until the day he died for not icing Chris out. Now, what did I tell you guys about Chris? After that divorce, Robert made them do psychological tests and it came back. She had this thing called like a Cinderella syndrome or complex or whatever, where Chris will like act like in her mind her whole life was a damn hallmark movie and like everything was perfect and great like she and robert were the best of friends and like you know their breakup was just like this little blip like it was so hurtful but whatever but like they they remained so friends that i'm not understanding they're as good of besties for years why was robert still icing cece out for maintaining a relationship with somebody that he maintained a relationship with and a friendship with. That doesn't really make sense to me. So I'm like wondering, Chris, how long were you and Robert friends leading up to his passing? Like a few months? Because you act like this happened like like a year after you and Caitlin got married, everything was fine. I, But it just doesn't, I mean, maybe Robert just like a very odd person, but I don't understand like, how you could still be mad at somebody if you're then friends with that person that you're mad about them being friends with. You know what I mean? Like, how does that work? 
till the day he died, he was refusing to talk to Cece. She says to this day that is her biggest regret. And Chloe tells her, don't worry about it. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that my dad is actually really proud of you. That you stayed so close to us. There's no possible way he's mad at you because of that. And Cece goes, but I went up against the Kardashians and I wasn't supposed to. And Chloe, I'm not sure if you even know this, but one time your grandma Helen came over to Chris's house, told her, come outside, (laughs) start screaming at her. I worked so hard my whole life. You have ruined my whole family. The Kardashian castle has crumbled because of you. <laughs> Why was that not in the American story? The American crime story. I want to see that girl. Have, put Cece on as like a... Have her um, do that... Oh, by the way, Chris is going to be doing a documentary about herself with Brian Grazer. I forgot to mention that. Um, have Cece be one of the the people... Get get her to be a talking head because I want to hear more. I've never heard this story, Cece. So then we come back from commercial and Cece says that really Helen was just acting out from a place of hurt. And like she really wanted Chris in her life, but she just, I guess, I mean, no disrespect, but like it seems like she was a total bitch to her, um, even though she wanted her in her life. And she says, I remember when Chris married Caitlin. Cece did not call Caitlin Caitlin dead named i don't like can we just do the clip do that sentence over and just call her caitlin well i don't know why that's so hard for the show so anyway she's like when chris was marrying caitlin helen was going around bragging she took the people magazine i guess they were in the cover or somewhere and she's like she carried it around like chris was her child and she's like, this was when Helen wasn't even supposed to be liking her. But then she was like, showing everybody this People magazine. Like, oh, she made it. The Ka- Kardashian crumble, Ka- Kardashian castle may have crumbled, but Chris didn't. And then she says that when Robert was on his deathbed. A little backstory for you guys. Robert w- had married somebody like very close to him passing away. And this has been like an issue. She was this w- the woman who... Um, threatened to release like letters and stuff that Robert had or she claimed she had that of like Robert claiming that Chris was like abusive and stuff like that um so they had like a very tumultuous relationship this new wife and like the Kardashian kids and Chris obviously so when Robert was on his deathbed Kim snuck Chris in to say her last goodbyes to Robert and Cece tells Chloe I think what happened is that they called each other the loves of their lives and then she says the truth is like it was just fabulous and amazing until it wasn't (sighs) i want to hear more about that cc put pen to paper girl get to typing so then at the end of the episode kim gets back from the met she tells north hey uh you need to have some loyalty when mommy talks shit about people you can't just go tell them why did you tell auntie kendall that i hated her outfit (laughs) Kendall tells Kylie in a confessional, yeah, Kim was just insistent that she loved my look and it was great. And then North and Penelope come into my room afterwards. I don't know if you guys remember this part, a little slip, little slip here that um, Kim gets back and she was wearing like she had a white coat that she had. Like it was like a cape kind of coat situation. But I guess like they take that stuff and like 
transport it back to the hotel. So she ended up getting who she thought was like, oh, I can't remember who she thought it was. But it ended up being Bad Bunnies. So it keeps, you know, like Bad Bunny had that kind of like white rose kind of jacket thing. It was really cool. So Penelope and uh, North are like, oh, that's Bad Bunny's jacket. Like they're running down the hallway. So I think they went to go to Kendall's room to give her her man's jacket back. Y'all see what I'm talking about? And also I heard that they're like on the rocks right now. Bad Bunny and Kendall. My care for them. I mean, I think this might be the first time that I've ever talked about them on the podcast. So well, I think you can just understand that it's probably pretty low. But they're good looking. She seems to have fun. I, I feel like he seems like the most interesting person that she's dated. But I don't know. Anyway. Um, so Kendall's telling Kylie that... Penelope and North went into her room and she was like, oh, who's, who was y'all's favorite look of the night? They're like, oh, we actually really loved yours. Yours was our favorite. And Kendall's like, oh, thank you guys. Like your mom said that she really liked my look too. And North goes, no, she was lying. She told me she actually didn't like your look. (laughs) So North tells her mom again, you didn't tell me not to tell her that. But I always stay quiet when you say not to say anything. So Kim just... This is really a lesson in Kim stepping her pussy up. You know? You gotta keep... Keep it all. What am I saying? <laughs> I gotta stop. So Kim says in a confessional, what really happened is that Kendall originally had two looks. There was like a white look and a black look. And she just told North, like in passing, that she re- actually liked the white one better. So it wasn't like she hated it. She probably did. But... I think we're trying to get off of technicality here. Um, so after that, we watched Courtney do her pregnancy announcement at the concert. You know, the Travis I'm pregnant sign. And my only, I found this to be profoundly boring. Except for the fact that, like, the way, I can't, I just always am so fascinated by the way these, like, friends, especially of Courtney's, are so all in on her life. Like, they interview Simon and Steph Shepard. And Steph's like, I'm crying. I'm gonna, I've cried before. I'm going to cry again. This is, like, so special. This is, like, so amazing. They're like, this is so great. This is the best thing. I'm like, it's a kid. Like, <laughs> like I'd be, I'm happy for her. But, like, to be like, this is huge. This is huge. Like, do you guys have lives? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I love my friends so much, but I don't think. I've ever felt like anything happening in their lives was so huge for me that I was going to cry. And like, I love them and they do great things and I'm so happy for them. But like, it's it's not like huge for me, you know, it's just weird. Is that not weird to people? Anyway, let's, let's end this with Salt Lake. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? 
Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. No, you I told your mom, Ted Bundy, and anyone that could talk about their mother Period. like that would never story. be your oh friend. Oh, my God, Lisa. You used to kill Can people, have sex drink. with them, decapitate them, and eat them. Oh, That's oh. nasty. I'm not up to date on all my serial killer facts, but I'm pretty sure it was Jeffrey Dahmer that ate people, not Ted Bundy. All right, let's talk about Salt Lake, shall we? Heather, this show is not real. Like, if you view Salt Lake through the lens of, like, this is just being a truly parodied version of actual Housewives, it makes viewing so much more fun. <laughs> so Heather starts the episode by saying that she wants to thank everybody for coming to her book party by doing some sort of Mormon handicraft cosplay at a farm with the rest of the ladies. What? Exactly. Monica shows her daughter they're at home they're going through like her daughter's about to go through prom so she's showing her pictures of her as a prom being prom queen and stuff and then she gives her a photo album of pictures of her with her biological father in it she tells her daughter I made sure to keep these because when I was four and my dad left my mom you know Linda Bovo tore up all the pictures I don't even know what my dad looks like but this really made me think this is not the first time that we've seen a housewife not know the paternity of her father like this happened with Nini and I just wonder like not that I feel any empathy for them but what must it feel like to have a kid out there in the world and then see them and you're like is that my child is it a housewife <laughs> what because you gotta see Linda and be like, oh, I definitely remember having a kid with her, you know? There's no denying that. I just wonder, like, what do you do in that case? At some point, you might figure it out. I don't know. It just must be very jarring. But anyway, then we go see um, Angie Kay and Sean Lachey. They go on a date. Apparently, this is the first time they've been on a date in, like, two years. They really I don't really have much to say except for Angie was dressed like Xenon, girl of the 21st century. But she tells him that, like, I don't really know what to talk to you about anymore, Sean. Like, every time I get in your car, you're playing country music. It's so cringe for me. I hate country music. You never used a little bit of country music when we first started dating. And Sean's like, I always did. You just were too smitten to realize what I was doing. You didn't care what I did. And, you know, by the way, when I go in your car, you're just playing the Humpty Dance. And I don't like that. So <laughs> she's like, I don't play the Humpty Dance, Sean. I don't always do that. And then he goes, yes, you do. She goes, well, so what? What if I want to feel 30 again? <laughs> How old are these people? The Humpty Dance came out like 30 years ago, right? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, I will say that this is probably like a more open conversation than we've seen with really anybody like housewife and husband about like getting off track and not being in a good way because they seem really committed to getting back on track so she tells him part of the reason why I like kind of scared to talk to you is because I feel like I'm always annoying you and I don't want to be like a burden I'm always wanting to be pleasant and not like make waves or anything 
And Sean tells her that they've just got so much other stuff going on. There's Electra. There's a little, you know, a little horse pony. What's it? The poodle. <laughs> the poodle with the with the red hair. Like, there's just a lot going on. They really need to reprioritize their relationship. And they do seem pretty committed to doing that. So I'm happy for them. But then we see Lisa showing up to Heather's house. And now that they're, like, friends, Heather's really going full on. She's got a whole spread of food. We got the Wendy's. We got the Junior Bacon Cheeseburgers. We got the spicy nuggets, barbecue sauce. And Lisa says in a confessional, Heather and I are in a new phase in our relationship. Like, she's doing everything right. Like, she got my favorite treats here at Wendy's with her little extra barbecue sauce. She got shortbread cookies from my favorite bakery. Literally, I hope we can stay in this space. It's, like, the first time in five years. <laughs> she's catering to me and I love that <laughs> so Heather tells Lisa that basically this is like the setup to the cast trip they're going to Bermuda and how she had gotten drinks with Monica and like Heather what is going on she tells Lisa oh I had drinks with Monica the other night and she was telling me about how she's got family in Bermuda and all this stuff and so we're thinking about going there for a birthday trip but she tells Lisa that she told Monica that Monica needed to apologize to Lisa if she wanted to go on the trip. Her own birthday trip. <laughs> Excuse me? So Heather's like, I really, I want to tell you this, Lisa, because I hope that this doesn't seem like a bitch move on my part. Like, or that I'm trying to, like, you know, derail our friendship here. And I honestly think that Monica will apologize. But Lisa's like, I don't even need an apology. Like, I'm just really not interested. <laughs> I've never heard, like, I'm going to invite you to a trip for your birthday, but you have to apologize first. What? No. So then later, Whitney and Angie have a catch-up where they're both talking about their issues with their marriages and, like, not being on good footing with Dimples and Drew Lachey. And Whitney says that she and Justin just had their anniversary the other day. They went to a spa, and at the spa she asked him, do you still want to do this? And he was like, well, do you? And she's like, I don't know. Happy anniversary. You get a couple, couples massage? You get a hot stone massage while I ask you if you still want to be married to me. <laughs> In a robe. Damn. Could we? Have, could you maybe ask me this before we went to the spa? How the hell am I going to relax now? Thanks, Whitney. <sighs> Whitney says in a confessional that basically they're another kind of like housewife situation. This is probably more typical. She was catering to him. She's wearing little pant crotches panties, making dinner, being sexy doing whatever, raising the kids, taking them to soccer or whatever. But now she's got these businesses, skin and, and the prism or something. I don't know. Healing journey. I don't know. But she's busy. She's not doing the stay at home mom thing. She's more outspoken now because she's got money in the bank. And now she feels like we deserve to be in a more equitable relationship. And that is difficult. So then Whitney tells Angie, that Justin basically hates when he she says this, but she doesn't think that humans are meant to be monogamous, which is actually maybe not the direction that I thought that would have gone in. But I'm wondering, like, does he hate the fact that she does want to be monogamous, or does he hate the fact that she's saying it on TV? Or both, you know? I wonder. So then, and just like, yeah, if you look at the animal kingdom, like, most of them aren't monogamous except for ducks and Whitney goes really I would have thought ducks were sluts <laughs> let's get to this pioneer barn party full of bonnets and aprons I don't know so they can shield their faces from the hot 
Utah sun. <laughs> Heather's going full on with this. She says it's like a real industry. That's why it was so easier for her to buy the bonnets and stuff. Like this is what people do in Utah. Lisa gets there. She's like, oh no, why are there bonnets? And she and Meredith get together like the little twins from The Shining. They're like, we don't do costumes. No costumes, Heather. But Heather tries to tell them, this is from our shared culture. Like, it's not a costume. And Lisa goes, what's our shared culture? <laughs> Mormon, Lisa. Mormon. But then Heather and Lisa put the bonnets on, and Lisa looks at Heather, or at Meredith, rather, and she goes, you actually look cute. <laughs> they keep them on for the whole thing. Oh, my gosh. Monica gets there, and she says hi to Lisa. Lisa just sucking down her blackberry margarita, like, completely blanks her. So Heather tells the ladies that she thought because it's April, and apparently this is when Joseph Smith saw his first Mormon vision or whatever, that they would celebrate the more fun aspects of being Mormon, like churning butter. <laughs> is that all? So she gets them all these mason jars and, you know, tells them just like, you add the cream and then you shake for six minutes, like you got to hit the back and the lid, like shake, like a, like a shake weight kind of thing. And so Whitney's like, this feels dirty. And Heather tells them, you guys have done this for longer than six minutes, so, like, calm down, right? So then Heather tells everybody, they're shaking for, like, a couple minutes, but then Heather tells everybody, put your butter down, we're gonna go and, um, go on to our next craft. But Heather, Meredith, why do I keep saying Heather? Meredith keeps shaking it because she says in a confessional, I told my kids to never quit. And I don't see any butter around here yet. So, basically... For the entirety of the rest of the episode, you just see through all the chaos, the negativity, Sarah's just shaking her, just trying to make some butter. <laughs> and it makes everything so much more funny. So they go into the little handkerchief doll craft, and Whitney's like, this is the weirdest day of my life. <laughs> so then they sit down for what Heather claims is a traditional spread of Mormon foods, but Lisa says in a confessional, I'm only a quarter of the way through the Book of Mormon, but I'm pretty sure that they didn't serve ribs, macaroni and cheese, and cornbread. The other starts talking about funeral potatoes, and I'm like, pass the recipe, bitch. Like, they're all talking about how the funeral potatoes are, like, the best thing in Mormon cuisine, and Lisa claims that she's never had them. And they're all, like, shocked. They're like, I can't even Mormon with you, Lisa. And Lisa goes, can we Mormon over some jello? So then Heather proposes a Marisol type of game. You remember when Marisol played that game, Who Do You Trust the Least? It's basically just the old-time Mormon version of this. But you're, pretend we're in the good old days and pioneering and there's too much weight on the wagon. Who are you kicking off your wagon? Lisa, go first. And so Lisa goes, Well, I'm a big supporter of women, so I will keep everyone, but the one that's nastiest to us, so... Monica, you would have to go just because you're mouthy and mean to women. And so Monica's like, oh my God, you're so nasty. And Lisa goes, I know. There's a difference. <laughs> I'm honest. Monica says, you're not honest. You're just nasty. And Lisa goes, oh, you like my voice so much. You like to use it all the time. I love that. So Monica starts mocking her and goes, I really hate your voice so much. Actually, like, it's really annoying. I don't think that's your real voice, to be honest. <laughs> So she goes, well, you would know because we're not friends. Heather gets so annoyed. And she says in a confessional, we're supposed to be making up. And Lisa starts with, you're nasty to women? Couldn't she have dealt a softer blow and said, we're afraid that you're going to sleep with our brothers-in-law or something that we could have come back from? <laughs> and then Lisa and Monica start arguing about which one of them is the actual nasty bitch. 
Lisa keeps bringing up that Monica referred to her mother as Ted Bundy. Anybody who will talk about their mom like that will never be a real friend to you guys. He, he killed people and he ate them. And even Whitney's like, I don't really know much about serial killers, but I don't think he did that. I think that was the other one. Why am I blanking on his name? You, you watch the Netflix show, you know. You know, the one with, you know, you know the fuck. Dahmer. There you go. I actually don't watch that because I think his, the victims were like, the victims' families were like, fuck that shit. Fuck Ryan Murphy. So actually maybe don't watch that. But it's, she was talking about Jeffrey Dahmer. So anyway... So Andrew, uh, uh, Angie Casey keeps like trying to like clink clink clink, trying to tap her glass. Be like, you guys remember the Greek wedding? Remember the Greek wedding? It's like, what are you talking about? Greek Easter? Whose wedding? And then somehow this turns to Whitney and Heather tag teaming on Monica to tell her that she needs to calm down and that she's being crazy. Angie stands up, just yells, "Opa!" Smashes a glass to the ground. Like, thanks, thanks. This is a working farm, Angie. Could we have maybe thought about that? Monica says in a confessional, the fact that I'm being made to feel like I'm in the wrong is really triggering for me. Like, there's been very similar situations in the past where my mom can be disgusting and hurtful and say awful things, but she's never in the wrong. So Heather tells Monica, get up and bring your butter, girl. Why are you crying? And Monica's like, I- I'm not going on the trip anymore. And Heather's like, why? What, what did she say? What, what was so hurtful to you? She's like, she said I was nasty. And it's like, oh, that was even. We went back and forth. You guys went back and forth with each other. Like, it's even now. You said awful things too. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm I'm getting where Monica is. Like, I feel like people have this really, like, very anti-Monica stance with regards to how she reacts to things. But I'm always seeing how it gets there. I'm like, you started this nasty, shady game. You made Lisa go first. You know Lisa doesn't fuck with her. You let her call this chick nasty and terrible to women. You said nothing until Monica clapped back and all of a sudden it's a problem. And all of a sudden Monica's not allowed to be upset. I'd be pissed off about that too. And I'd be very frustrated. And I don't even have a mother like Linda, Vovo. I'd be pissed if, like, you're not going to tell me, what, what's wrong? Why are you upset? Well, you said something back. Yeah, because none of y'all defended me. So I had to clear her. But now you guys are acting like I'm the monster. But she started it. Monica tried to say hi to her. Lisa wouldn't even look in her direction. And the first time she talks to her, she calls her a nasty bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> what's not clicking with the rest of you anymore? <sighs> so then Lisa does come up. Because she gets it. And she says, listen, Monica, if you need me to acknowledge that your mom is not nice to you, then I'm sorry. And if by me saying that I saw her being nice, it doesn't mean that I'm negating any of your feelings. Is that what you need? And so Monica's like, I guess. I'm going to apologize for saying that you're ugly. I didn't mean that. So Monica comes back to the table. And Heather announces, "We're, we're going to Bermuda, guys. Look at the pink sand and the pearls that I put in these little jars for you. Okay. So Monica's like, I'm I'm just spent. I've just spent. So then she gets up again and she tells Heather, like, I really don't think it's a good idea for me to go on this trip anymore. So now Heather's mad at her and she's like, well, we planned this whole thing around your grandmother and like, whatever. And now you're turning us over and you were attacking Lisa. And now you're acting like we all came at you. <laughs> yeah. So Monica says in confessional, 
I have always wondered why Jen never had anything nice to say about Heather and Lisa. And now I know exactly why. Now I know exactly why. And so somebody asks Monica, I think it was Lisa. She's like, where's the old Monica? Because I liked her. And Monica goes, you all killed her real quick. She's dead. Like Taylor Swift said. <laughs> and with that, you guys, that's the end of the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this. We're going to do a catch up with Miami this week. Um, yeah. So check that out. Thank you guys so much for listening. Bye.